Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Yumiko is excited to introduce their brand new style, the Fiona. This mock wrap back style resembles the popular Masha, but with a scoop front neckline and camisole straps. The front is seamless and classic, while the back is strikingly bold. With an overall flattering fit, we have a feeling that you are going to love it. A variety of ready-to-wear options are now available online and in stores, or you can even personalize your own. Additional ready-to-wear styles will launch mid-month, so be sure to stay tuned for new releases and all things Yumiko at yumiko.com. And follow them on Instagram at yumiko. This episode is brought to you by The Town of Vale a sponsor helping to host the Vail Dance Festival in our community. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. This week, we bring you our final episode from the 2019 Vail Dance Festival. Today, we speak with Gil Boggs, Colorado Ballet Artistic Director. Gil began his dance career with the Atlanta Ballet, and he joined American Ballet Theater in 1982. In 1991, he was promoted to principal dancer and danced with the company for 17 years. Boggs also performed with the Twyla Tharp Dance Company, Barishnikov and Company, Nuriyev and Friends, and made several guest appearances around the world. Boggs accepted the position of artistic director with Colorado Ballet in the spring of 2006. We talk with Gil about his distinguished career, his transition after retiring from the stage, how his directorship at Colorado Ballet came about, and some of the ways he has been able to grow the company. Gil, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come chat with us. We really appreciate it. And thanks for having me. So we just want to start at the beginning. Can you tell us how you first got started and interested in dance? Sure. Uh, my sister was in a little Dolly Dinkle ballet school <laughs> back in Georgia, back in 1970. And uh, 
I went to her recital, her end of year recital, and my best friend from school, Ken Butcher, was up on the stage. His mother was a teacher there. Ken didn't tell us anything about it. Uh-huh. He admit to it on uh-huh. He was the only young man up there. But I saw him up there, and I remember him just being a pirate. And I said, that looks awesome. I have to try it. Uh-huh. So I went to my mom and said, you know, I want to take dance next year. Uh-huh. So how did your training continue from there? So were you at the Dolly Dinkle? I started the school, (laughs) Dance Academy. It started there. And then the teachers encouraged my mom to get me involved with the Atlanta Ballet Mm -hmm. and go up and take classes there. And so went to the Atlanta Ballet, started with classes, and went from one day a week, two days a week, up to five days a week, Mm -hmm. and uh, eventually graduated from high school and joined the Atlanta Ballet. Mm -hmm. What point did you find yourself being like, this is really something I could do, and then I really want to add those classes and make sure I'm doing five days a week? When did that kind of happen for you? Um, I think when I was 14. Yeah. Yeah. When I was 14, I remember being in class and, you know, trying to do a pirouette and all of a sudden I just did a lot of pirouettes and I went, oh, this is, this is fun. <laughs> this is fun. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I wanted to be a baseball player, but I knew I wasn't going to be big enough. I couldn't hit a curveball. So mm-hmm. I just, you know, I said, there's, this is a way to be physical in life and to make a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really took to it. Yeah. So is Atlanta Ballet always the company that you kind of had your eye on or were there other things you were thinking of? Did you audition other places? Well, I, I grew up in Atlanta Ballet School and then I joined the company right, right out of high school and wanted to be a dancer. And then after about four years, I got the itch and uh, I mm-hmm. actually auditioned for uh, Netherlands Dance Theater mm-hmm. in Uri Killian yeah. in New York. I just happened to be in New York when an audition was happening mm-hmm. and um, got offered the job right. uh, at the end of the audition and thought, this is great. But um, uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov, Misha was at the audition as well. Mm-hmm. And I really wanted to join American Ballet Theater. Mm-hmm. The dream. dream job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, I uh, called American Ballet Theater and they said, well, you can come audition. Misha doesn't remember you, but you can come out and uh, we'll be in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And so flew all the way across the country and auditioned out there. And then uh, after a couple of days, he offered me a job. Wow. Yeah. So what were those years dancing under Misha like? They were awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, the 80s, I, you know, certainly some of the heyday of dance, mm-hmm. no doubt. You know, to, my first day of work was opening night at Metropolitan Opera, uh, the opening season or the opening night for the Metropolitan season, an eight-week season. And, you know, there's Fernando Bajon, Cynthia Gregg, Dr. Mm. Um, Misha, Gunnav, uh, you name it, right. Cynthia Harvey. They were all performing that uh, night. And I just, uh-huh. you know, I, I, of course I wasn't on it. It was my first day there, but I just went <laughs> and stood backstage and watched that. And mm. it was, I, I was just blown away. Mm-hmm. What was some of your early rep like in the company? What were some of the first things you danced? Well, <laughs> well the first thing I was, was a, uh, a court person that I just said, like a super that came out uh-huh. in Swan Lake. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, they were doing, uh, Roland Petit's, uh, Carmen uh-huh. when I first got there and um, he saw me in rehearsal one day Roland did and uh, he immediately put me in as the lead bandit mm-hmm. uh, which was a, a lot of fun uh-huh. it was a fun ballet and I remember uh, my first performance out there uh, Carmen who was uh, you know Natasha McCarver at the mm-hmm. time that evening she came over and she did a back been to me and I had to partner her and you know and of course I'm in ecstasy and then I had to run <laughs> off stage and get a knife um, for Sasha Goodenough uh-huh. and you know and I came running on and he held out his hand for the knife and I went you didn't have it oh, <laughs> and, you know he's a six foot two Russian and the way he looked at me was not <laughs> was not pleasant but you know ups and downs uh-huh. what were some of the other um, first initial opportunities you got um, great galloping gotch chalk mm-hmm. uh, there was uh, pas de trois Benno and Swan Lake mm-hmm. and uh, interestingly enough 
um, the Corda Valley gentlemen, when they, uh, at the end of Swan Lake, they rotate each night uh-huh. during the run, and you have to be there at the end to catch the swan as she jumps onto mm-hmm. the mattress to make sure she doesn't fall off. Right, so right. Two, two gentlemen are assigned. But once you're assigned to learning the role of Benno, uh-huh. you don't have to you do graduate that from that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I got out of that, uh-huh. you know, sort of ugly duty of sitting around until 11 o'clock <laughs> at night. Fourth act, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, but Benno, that was, what, uh, you know, one of my favorite roles early mm-hmm. on to do as well mm-hmm. yeah so you, you were saying you came in you were kind of starstruck but then what was that like um realizing that you were kind of being seen as someone that was on that level that you were getting these big opportunities in this place that you would kind of uh put on a pedestal um it was it was wonderful to be recognized and to be noticed um twyla tharp came in early on when i was there and did a ballet called bach partita and i remember her you know, just coming across the room and saying, I want you in the ballet. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, it was nice. The, the challenges, after two years there, I was promoted to soloist. So I've, obviously I knew, you know, I was on a good track uh-huh. for a career with the company. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as you do that, the challenges got more um, interesting. Right. Right, right. say, you know, the pressure of performing mm-hmm. on there. And, um, you know, I remember actually uh, Twyla's ballet, Push Comes to Shove, that mm-hmm. she created for Misha. I was doing his role and we were in Miami and, uh, you know, did it and he, you know, it didn't go so well. <laughs> yeah, it was a very difficult ballet and, a, you know, wonderful movement. And, and it, I will say it progressed years on. But, uh, you know, Misha came over and sat me down and just gave me some tough love. Like, what are you thinking? What are you working on? And, you know, what, where are you going with this? Mm-hmm. Um and we had a great conversation about the role and how it was created, how he approached it, and it really helped mm-hmm. over time. Yeah, it was another instance where I was doing, I think, Flower Festival or Peasant Pot, something. I'm not sure. I was trying to do pirouettes on stage or do something. And he said, why are you trying to do this? Why are you trying to do so many? It's a performance. You're just going to look bad if you don't. You, know, <laughs> uh-huh. you don't have to do that. That's not uh-huh. what's expected of you. Right. It's the performance right. that we're yeah. looking for. Right. What was Brezhnikov like in the studio in like a coaching capacity when you worked with him? What was that in those interactions like? Well, it, first of of all he was brilliant he mm-hmm. had a great eye mm-hmm. uh it was such a well-coordinated man that if he saw you struggling with something he could help you mm-hmm. work with that but um you know misha he, he given his status in the world and has popularity and you know being a superstar and a celebrity he um was a little reserved mm-hmm. you know because mm-hmm. he was always you know expecting people just to come up and sure ask for things right. from him um, but he, you know, we had a great relationship, you know, years later we were playing golf on the golf course together and so forth. Um, <laughs> there was a, one of my favorite moments with him is, uh, you know, we, he called me shorty. <laughs> now I will say, Misha, if you're listening, <laughs> yeah, sure we is. were the same size, you know, <laughs> the same height, but, uh, you know, he called me shorty and uh, I loved it. Uh, and one day there was a back, you know, in the eighties, there was a campaign for uh, used, um, yellow books, mm-hmm. big, thick yellow books, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and you, what you could do with them to hold a door open or uh-huh. whatever, you know, <laughs> sit on them in a chair or whatever. And one day where I was stood next to Misha in class and one day there was a yellow book. I just saw one sitting over on the side of the room. So I went over and got it and put it down on the ground and I stood on it. <laughs> so <laughs> I could pretend like I was his height. That's so great. I love that. That's wonderful. So you spent 17 years with the company. Is that correct? 17 years. So how did you see the company evolve during that time? That's a lot of people coming and going. How did the company shift and evolve and change during your tenure there? Um, well, it's, you know, when I got into American Ballet Theater, there was uh, Susan Misha had just promoted Susan Jaffe, who was very young, to principal. Johan Renval was there. Cynthia Harvey, uh, Magalie Masak had come in, mm-hmm. uh, Christine Dunham. 
And so he had hired a lot of, you know, he'd just taken over and he hired a lot of young dancers. And it right. was, you know, it was great to see all of us nurtured through mm-hmm. those years and right. progress and become principals right. over time. So that, and that carried on even after he left mm-hmm. um, when he kind of abruptly resigned. And um, we were without really an artistic director. It was Jane Herman was uh, running the company for a while. And I, I don't want to say it was stagnated, but it just mm-hmm. kind of there seemed to be a lull mm-hmm. in there. And then um, until Kevin McKenzie mm-hmm. came. Right. And then Kevin came in and he had his vision. And then we kind of continued to grow yeah. and see the repertoire of what sure. it was. You know, the repertoire was pretty much always set mm-hmm. for a ballet. You know, you were always going to do Sleeping Beauty and Right, and it was more, you know, the contemporary works and who the choreographers mm-hmm. were that were brought in, right, um, and to work with. I find that interesting because, um, as you're talking about this year, like time in limbo after Misha left before Kevin was uh, appointed the artistic director, that's something the New York City Ballet just went through, kind of having that time in limbo. We, as dancers with Miami City Ballet, went through a period of transition with artistic directors. That's bound to happen in companies coming up soon, just because of life. So what kind of um, advice do you have for dancers kind of dealing with a transition that happens from the top when you're still in the same company? Um, it's, uh, you know, everybody, it, it's, it's natural instinct for a dancer to, you know, be protective and, right. you know, am I going to be able to keep my job right. and, you know, down to the point of where Agma negotiates how many dancers can be let go in the first year mm-hmm. of the tenure of a art, new artist director. Right. right. Um, which, so it's, you know, dancers really worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's, you are who you are and you have what you have to bring. And so if you go in and you're constantly trying to impress the new person and trying to prove that you have something and so forth, I, I wouldn't advise that right. to be honest with you, you show security, mm-hmm. show, you know, confidence in yourself because that's what directors are looking for. Right. Right. Exactly. They want people, you know, who certainly are team players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, we're all dancers, um, are so, into themselves, you mm-hmm. know, they only think about themselves and what's going on, not necessarily seeing the whole big picture. Right. Um, so you have to kind of let go of that and make sure that you, you know, you're there for the mm-hmm. organization. That's also great advice coming from someone who's now an artistic director, right? <laughs> and right. knows both sides of the coin in that situation. Well, you know, it, it, thanks for bringing that up because <laughs> when I interviewed at Colorado Ballet, mm-hmm. I think um, the the best moment I had throughout the interview process was. After teaching class, they had me sit down with the dancers and talk about my philosophy mm-hmm. of oh, dancers. And, you know, and I say this every year from day one at the beginning of the season that we're all here trying to make our own way in life. Mm-hmm. You know, this is, you know, this is us and we've got to show up every day and we mm-hmm. got to take the responsibility and we got to have the passion mm-hmm. to walk into this building. And my mantra is I want you to walk into this building every day. Mm-hmm. And your mantra should be when you walk out of this building every day, do they do everything right. possible to make myself and the company better? Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Did you always have an idea that you want? wanted a, a leadership role after you were done dancing? Um, no. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't. Uh, I knew that when I retired, what I did not want to do was teach morning class on the Upper West Side and then evening class on the Lower East Side uh-huh. and travel all over teaching ballet class. I just, I would not want to be part of that. And there was no, there was no opportunities that opened up. Kevin actually recommended me for a ballet master job with Hubbard Street in Chicago, but it just wasn't appealing to move to Chicago. And, you know, it's a great company, and mm. but I just didn't, I wanted to stay on the East Coast at the time. Yeah. Right. You know, my wife to be, she mm-hmm. was there and still dancing. So there was no thought of moving mm-hmm. on. And so I found a different career for a few years. Mm-hmm. Um, so what was that? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I've always loved golf and, uh, 
I thought I wanted to be a golf professional and, you know, learn to teach golf, knowing That's a lot awesome. about the body. And so do you know Chelsea Piers in New York? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I had a friend who was the head golf pro there and knew him well. And he said, well, come over and I'll get you started and, mm-hmm. you know, teach you and we'll read books and, and so forth and got into it. And then I realized after teaching a few lessons, I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> I just absolutely, you know, people are, I'm not doing that. Well, I see you're doing that. And, it, you know, that, I have a question for you. So sure. that, what was the challenge for it? So I've recently been teaching yoga and I have such a hard time because I feel like as dancers, we have such an understanding of the body that I almost am just like, why are you doing that? Doesn't make any sense. You know, like I, <laughs> right. and I don't know almost how to communicate that. Is that something that you kind of that, found? You're like, the communication aspect of it. And I think yeah. Yeah. literally it's taking, maybe taking a step back and right. understanding they don't understand their bodies as yeah. well as we right. do mm-hmm. and a little more patience and, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, when they become, I don't want to say confrontational, but mm-hmm. questioning, right. uh, you know, then it, it becomes difficult, <laughs> right. I'm sure like yeah, teaching yoga exactly yeah that was always my biggest challenge i'm like why don't you understand how to stand up tall <laughs> right <laughs> engage your abdominals <laughs> sorry uh, i didn't mean to derail no, your um, no, your story no it's a great question yeah it's interesting yeah um, so what did you do after you decided well this no so they actually a position opened up of events manager mm-hmm. so there were all these wall street firms downtown that would come with clients and they mm-hmm. would rent out stalls they would get pros to give lessons they would order food mm-hmm. and so forth and run an event there so mm-hmm. i took the job of events manager and did that for a couple of years and then the gentleman running the golf academy retired mm-hmm. oh he didn't retire he moved on and so they offered me the position of that so now i'm in charge of 14 golf professionals which is like being in charge of 14 principal dancers uh-huh. right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know where's my lessons how come he's getting more you right, know, right. Where's oh my, my role yeah, yeah. Right, right. Uh, all of that mm-hmm. well twelve thousand hours of lessons a two and a half million dollar budget and you know dancers don't go to college so yeah. i really didn't have a lot of expertise in that right. so funny enough i learned and they worked with me on budgeting and mm-hmm. so forth and hiring people firing people you know managing people it was i called it my college education so funny enough when colorado valley called i was very confident that i could be an artistic director because i i don't believe a dancer can retire on saturday night be an artistic director Monday morning right you you Um, got your education in the kind of the harder side of of being an artistic director right right? like what's what probably i mean what right people we talk to we've talked to several directors that it's just like of course the things that you like that you know the art element of it are gonna that's gonna come easy because you've spent your whole life doing that but you like the budgets and like finances and dealing with hiring and firing and things like that that's what people kind of usually have to have like a learning curve on but you were ahead of that Right. When I got to the dance room, yeah. certainly not yeah. when I was there. You know, there's the old proverbial, I fired, when I fired my first person, I was shaking more than they were right. sure, yeah, you know, yeah, to yeah. get that done. Of mm-hmm. course. But, um, you know, it was a great education. And, you know, I'm certainly appreciative to Chelsea Pierce for having done that mm-hmm. and wow. giving me that opportunity. So, so then with Colorado Ballet, that was they reached out to you. And so it wasn't necessarily something that was on your mind. You weren't like, I'm thinking I might get back into ballet. You were you were happy with your job? and I was happy with my job. Um, my wife had just retired. Our son had just been born um, before Colorado Ballet called. And we were living in Rockland County, not Westchester County. And mm-hmm. So Rockland County didn't have the good schools. So we're figuring out how can we get over into Westchester. Right. It's much more expensive yeah. um, property mm-hmm. uh, and place to live. And our son, we took him actually to first uh, doctor's appointment. And I'm driving home and my cell phone rings. And um, the voice on the other end says, hi, Gil, it's Andy Manson, now Ann Hillary. And the minute I heard her voice, I knew exactly why she was calling. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know where she was. And I was, you know, so I was taken back and I said, well, Anne, you know, I'm driving home to New York, can't talk on the cell phone. Let me mm-hmm. get home and I'll give you a call right back. Is yeah. this a good number? 
Yeah, so, and um, I hung up the phone and I looked at Sandy, my wife, and I said, where's 303? Because the phone, you know, <laughs> the area code on the phone yeah. was 303. And yeah. she said, I don't know. And so I went in at 303, Colorado, oh, Colorado Valley, oh, okay, got it, and started, you know, deviling into that, and then quickly called Ann back. And she said, you know, um, they are looking for, they're interviewing for an artistic director. Would you be interested in mm-hmm. doing that? And I, you know, I said, let me talk to Sandy about it and I'll call you back. And, you know, we talked about it and what a great opportunity, you know, mm-hmm. to do and um, called back and said yes, and then flew out uh, and ended up coming out several times mm-hmm. in the interview process. We will return to conversations on dance in a moment, but first, this week we are sponsored by our good friends at Vayette Virtual Ballet School, the next stage of ballet training. Vayette Virtual Ballet School is a one-of-a-kind online ballet classroom providing world-class ballet training to aspiring students regardless of their location. Vayette Virtual Ballet School believes that teaching proper technique is just as important as nurturing the mental, physical, and emotional aspects of their students. Fayette Virtual Ballet School is an extra push that you need heading into your upcoming audition, competition, or summer intensives. For more information, visit VayetteVirtualBalletSchool.com. That's V-E-Y-E-T-T-E VirtualBalletSchool.com. Or click the link in the description of this episode. That's interesting that you said that you sat down with the dancers during your interview process when we were going through Transition at Miami City Ballet. They did the same kind of thing. What was that like? Was that almost scarier than sitting down with the board or whatever, sitting down and talking with the Actually, dancers? I was much more comfortable because I was talking to what I felt like were peers. And who right? knew your language. Who, who knew my language. And, you know, and I knew what their expectations were. You know, the board and their expectations were in financial trouble and what kind of repertoire and how right. you're going to fix the company. And right. they just ah. voted to go union and yeah. how do you feel? about that and you know that was like panic yeah it was it was tough questions but you know that that time i don't know it was almost an hour i thought with the dancers is that you know i'm just going to lay it out on the line Mm -hmm. because i you know i hope you have respect for this art form i do i have respect for you i know what you go through walking in here every day i'm one of you i know what's going on yeah i'm going to be the boss and you know you're going to go in a therapy room and you're going to you know bitch about me (laughs) sometimes and not be happy and i get that you know that's just part of you know, what goes on here, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, just being able to sit there and lay it out and, you know, be transparent. I wasn't right. trying to hide anything mm-hmm. right. from them. Yeah. So what were some of the, the things with the company that you were like, okay, this is strong. So I, I'm going to bolster this, but this needs some work. What were, what were the pros and cons of taking over there? Um, literally the first trip out, it was nutcracker season. Mm-hmm. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs> and so I taught class, I taught class that morning. No, the day before Nutcracker performance, I taught class and I said they want you to teach class, which I was happy to do. And they don't, but they don't want you to teach the next day because it's a performance day and they don't want anybody. They want to know who's teaching what they're getting. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So I taught class and then I talked to the dancers and then I went to Nutcracker that night. Well, but before I got there, they said they actually want you to teach class again tomorrow, oh, nice. which was nice. That's flattering. Was yeah, flattering. Uh-huh. they were like that. Class, class. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll sit home tonight and. Come up with another How class. How long had it been since you'd been teaching class? Had you been oh, teaching? Oh, six years. Yeah. Oh, wow. It was so, you know, <laughs> so I went, like, ah. you know, so you know those Capizio or block teaching shoes uh-huh. that yeah. they wear? Yeah. So I went to Capizio and got me a pair of those to fly out here. Like, oh, either it's a good investment uh-huh. or it's not a good uh-huh. investment. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything to teach. Right. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so I went to Nutcracker that night. And to your question, what just absolutely blew me away was the quality of the dancers. Mm-hmm. They were 
phenomenal. I mean, stunning what was in the company from there. And then, you know, on the same token, it's a great production of Nutcracker. Mm -hmm. And it just looked like it had just needed a little coaching, a little right. more detail mm -hmm. to the scenes going on and so forth. So, right. you know, it all looked like a pretty easy fix uh -huh. to me when yeah. I saw that. So what were some of the things that needed to be fixed? Probably maybe from the financial end, the management well, and the, the scary financial end. end yeah, <laughs> it was not pretty. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and it's, it's not that they weren't forthcoming with it, but mm -hmm. they, you know, they were hoping, you know, that things would turn around. So, mm -hmm. and then the recession hit. We started Almost right after, you know, right? We were 6.1 million dollar budget when I, in my first year, the third year, I think we were up to about 6.7, then the recession hit. Mm -hmm. And we went back to 5.5 .5. we just mm -hmm. had to cut yeah. you know a little over a million out of the budget just to survive and that was tough and mm -hmm. we were going to into our 50th anniversary and so there was not a lot of celebrating going on mm -hmm. oh. although Lillian Cavillo one of the founders who was still alive we were able to put together a special evening commemorate her and do mm -hmm. some of the mm -hmm. um, so yeah the financial end of it uh, was needed a lot of attention yeah. on that and also um, you know the dancers they they lack confidence mm -hmm. when I got there. They really did, yeah. you know. Um, I, Sandy was doing a rehearsal, and one of the ladies who would eventually become a principal dancer, you know, said, well, we've never been treated like that. You know, we've never been told that. It's, you know, and so it was, you know, it was letting them know what we wanted, but doing right. it in a positive way, having a right. Po right. positive atmosphere. Like right. I said, you know, I wanted people to walk into that building every day mm -hmm. and not be afraid right. of what they were doing. Um, how much communication was happening with the dancers? You just mentioned the dancers said like, oh, well, we've never had that before. How were you kind of like investigating what was missing for them that you could help provide them and help create a better atmosphere? How were you finding out well, what was needed? I, I think strong, positive leadership. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to throw anybody under the bus here. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everybody has their own management styles. Yeah. But I just, they just needed strong leadership. Mm -hmm. um, to give you an instance, uh, one gentleman in the company, he had a bad fall in rehearsal and, you know, his back was severe. It was just, he could barely walk. Yeah. And, you know, and I said, okay, all right, hang on. And we didn't have physical therapy at the time or there was nobody there mm -hmm. in the building. And so he was, he was arranging to see somebody. I said, let me just get you home though. Mm -hmm. And I got him in my car and I drove him home and, you know, he said, I would have been expected to have finished that rehearsal. <gasps> yeah. So... You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's that kind of thing. Wow. And, you know, injuries are going to happen all over. Of the course. Right? I accept that. You know, mm -hmm. we, we fight through it all the time. But, right. You know, they didn't do it on purpose. Right. right. <laughs> of so, course. Yeah. Wow. What were some ways that your expectations of what directing a company differed from the reality of it? Um. Not a lot, to be honest. You know, I, you know, given the state of the, where the company was, I knew it was going to be. I told my wife it's twenty four seven. In the first two years, I didn't take a vacation. I didn't even take a pay raise. We were, you know, struggling um, on that. And it was, you know, and I just I knew having seen the dancers and you know after the first few days what they needed and what you know I I, I had an idea a philosophy of how to manage people, and I was going to go with that. And if they followed, they followed. And if they didn't, they weren't going to be here, or I wasn't. Gonna to be here one right. or the other <laughs> but it's everything 
when I got the job, I just remembered what it was like for me being a member of the company. You know, and I know I keep saying that over and over. No, but that's just, no, but it's essential. It's literally it, yeah. like when I feel like when we're both retired now, and like <laughs> anytime we are in a situation like that, you just have to recall like what you would have wanted as a dancer or how you want, right. like how, what you would have responded to, what would have aided you in that moment, mm-hmm. and then try mm-hmm. to be that for them. Right. Um, the hardest thing, and I don't know about you and your careers, but the hardest thing for me to love, to learn, and I think a lot of dancers is that what you're capable of and what you're not capable of, mm-hmm. what roles you're good for and mm-hmm. what roles you're not. Good mm-hmm. And once I, I, I was much happier when I, you know, realized that I was never going to be at ABT, Albrecht on the Metropolitan mm-hmm. Opera stage. Mm-hmm. I was going to be Hilarion or mm-hmm. I was going to be Benno or, mm-hmm. you know, right. things like that. I was going to be Mercutio mm-hmm. or Let's Go. And those roles were just phenomenal. For right. Me, right. Yeah. You know, and um, once I learned that, it was wonderful. So that's what I try and teach these dancers mm-hmm. is to understand, you know, they want and they want and it's great that, that you know, they have this desire. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, but there's, you also see the disappointment when they don't get cast. In mm-hmm. Right. You know, <laughs> when, when casting goes up for the next production, you know, I always tell the company manager, I right, clear my schedule at lunchtime. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of people coming uh-huh. <laughs> to ask questions. Well, that's good though, but because that, some that's... people say, I'm going to be out today the day that the <laughs> casting. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I, it's, it's a complete open door policy. You mm-hmm. know, if you, if you, if there's an issue, I don't want it festering you right. have to come and because that makes it worse if it yeah oh absolutely yeah. Andrew don't be afraid to come to us and tell mm-hmm. us mm-hmm. And, you know let's get better mm-hmm. let's inform right so obviously yeah. you've been at, at the company for since 2006 so you've seen you've personally hired possibly everyone in the company at this point or do you have something um almost everybody Uh it seems like i've had you know the past four or five years a significant 20 to 22 year person retirement Mm -hmm. happening yeah so maria you know igor and then maria it's chandra kuykendall this year Mm -hmm. um Sharon Weiner last year and those, you know, they were young when I got there and it's mm-hmm. been fun to celebrate and, you know, share their careers with right. them and tough to watch them leave. Yeah. Right. And so there are several new people mm-hmm. that have come into the company and, mm-hmm. you know, we are a young company mm-hmm. right now. And it's kind of like when I got there, you know, they've right. been in, they were 18 to 22 or so forth. And so, mm-hmm. you know, now it's the process of sort of nurturing and mm-hmm. building them up and, you know, creating the next level of principles. Right. Yeah. So, so what are some qualities that you look for in a dancer? What attracts you? To well, like I said earlier, I mean, I want to see confidence, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, yeah, confidence and you better have the best port bra in the world. <laughs> you know, I just, I can't, you know, uh, you know, if the feet aren't quite there, you know, if it, but if, if I'm looking at that upper body and there's not presentation and confidence mm-hmm. and beauty, artistry, you know, the use of Apomal, forget about it. Mm-hmm. It's that's, that's what really attention dancers. Apomal is important. <laughs> it is essential. We're with you. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and confidence and just um, people who walk in and want to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's tough when you get towards the end of the day and, you know, it's, uh, it's five minutes till the end of rehearsal and a dancer's like looking over yeah. the shoulder at the clock. Yeah. yeah all right. <laughs> you know, it's, you know and then they drift over by the door and they got their bag with oh. 30 seconds left. You know, not, not, not high on my list. I'm, uh-huh. not, I'm not going to beat you up and I'm not going to make you stay a minute over. Uh-huh. Right. I try not to. Right. Mm-hmm. Remember, I respect all the rules and so forth. Right. But, you know, <laughs> when you're Come acting on. like that, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You want Absolutely. people who are invested. Yeah. yeah. So uh, sometimes I have these conversations with students that I teach. Sometimes I think they feel like they have to be perfect when they go into audition. Like mm-hmm. the only way I'll get a job is if I'm a perfect dancer. 
Now, do you look for the perfect dancer or do you look for someone that has that potential that you can work with and mold? And I'm looking for potential. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it's uh, what I don't like in, in auditions. It's kind of like, you know, the question of when you take over a comedy or what can dancers expect? Don't be looking at me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. don't see if I'm looking at you. Yeah. Just just be an be you. be you mm-hmm. be there. Um, I'm not looking for perfection. I say before I introduce the teacher, I introduce the pianist, I introduce the ballet mistresses that are there. And all I say is, guys, point your feet and smile. Uh, <laughs> Literally, yeah. you know, relax. Right, it's right. It's a tough process. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So what are some of your goals for the company uh, looking forward into years ahead? Um, <laughs> slowing down. No, <laughs> no, not at all. Um, you know, it's been a really nice ride. Like I said, we had, in 2009, we got to 5.5. Um, and this year it looks like we're going to hit a $10 million budget. That's amazing. So, Fantastic. Yeah. So wow. Very, Almost doubling the budget in your yeah. time as director. That's incredible. So, and you know, we're looking at growing the company, adding dancers to the roster, mm-hmm. getting a little bit bigger. Um, you know, dreams are... You know, those those um, full links, uh, one board member who used to be a former dancer was went to ABT to see Man On. And she's like, do the company should do Man On? Yeah. I said, I know, but we don't have enough dancers. Right. <laughs> you right, know, right. is Hope it that big? Oh, it's that big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Trust me. Yeah. Um, you know, but some of those major productions like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but certainly, you know, we finally were able to get a Killian ballet mm-hmm. into the company. And, you know, the Killians, the Mark Morrises, we got Twyla coming in. We've had Twyla a couple of times. But, you know, finding those established choreographers to come in and work with the company and create right. those those works for us and being yeah. able to afford it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think people don't always think about the cost that comes with something like that. As an audience member, they might not think that there's the choreographer coming in. There's the rights. There's the music. Even if the choreographer doesn't come in, he gets... He still gets money nice. for it. He still yeah. gets the money. Pretty yeah. penny. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. He made the ballet. So right, yeah. right. And, you know... It, People don't realize that. And when I got there and given our financial situation, I'm like, I'm going cheap. I'm trying to, mm-hmm. right. you know, um, and I, the ship afloat. I shouldn't say cheap, <laughs> but I'm just having yeah. to do, you know, less expensive mm-hmm. uh, productions right. to get started until we're able to build up. And then mm-hmm. I finally was able to do um, Derek Dean's Romeo and Juliet. I mean, it was huge. It was the biggest thing we'd ever done. Oh, I think yeah. it was Wonderful. almost too big for us. <laughs> and and we got through it. And I just, I stood there. I was amazed. You know, that was, that was one moment. The other moment um, was we did uh, Peter Pan mm-hmm. in February 2011, I think. Mm-hmm. And it brought in gobs of money. Right, right, right. People right. just attended, attended, you know. And so it was, you know, six, seven, eight hundred thousand. I forget what it was. Mm-hmm. And so I'm presenting next year's season to the board. And it says, so instead of Peter Pan, it's the 100th anniversary of Stravinsky's writing of The Rite of Spring. Uh-huh. And Glenn Tetley has a wonderful version that I know in dance. And I want to bring that in here. And I want to do it with orchestra. And mm-hmm. I want to do it in February. And I want, you know, I'm going to get a choreographer to do something. I want to do theme and variations. Uh-huh. Boom. That's it. This is what's that's happening. The program. Yeah. That, and they were yeah. like, wow. Okay, great. How much is this going to make? And I said, we'll be lucky to make $250,000 right. of this. Yeah. And they all just took a breath and <laughs> said, let's let him do it and okay. see what happens. <laughs> and it was, you know, since then we've been doing these masterworks programs with um, orchestra, which was a program that didn't have orchestra before. And it's just, it's really taken off. Our audiences love it. And how important for the dancers too, to have those ballets in their rep, right? Oh, it's... Yeah. Believe me, I know. Yeah, it makes them happy. It's <laughs> like theme, you know. I always, mm-hmm. I mean, I was crying when the curtain went up on uh-huh. theme. Oh, yeah. Much, so. That's wonderful. Yeah. Great. So we're at the final portion of our interview where we'll do what we call our lightning round. Okay. And we'll just ask you mm-hmm. a few quick fire questions. So what is your favorite onstage moment? 
my favorite on stage moment. Um, <laughs> uh, I think the there was we were doing Romeo and Juliet. Macmillan's Romeo and Juliet. We were in Greece in the Parthenon. I cursed both houses right before I died, and then I looked up at the lit Parthenon up on the hill. You know, wow. and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> wow. That's pretty incredible. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, if you could come back to dancing tomorrow and you would dance one role, what would it be? Uh, I'm going to choose classical and I'm going to choose contemporary. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, too. And it would yeah. be, it would be um, Mercutio and Macmillan's Romeo and Juliet uh-huh. and uh, Push Comes to Shove. Oh, awesome. What's been your proudest moment as director so far? Um, all of it. <laughs> uh, you know, just to to have the following to have dancers don't leave mm-hmm. they stay mm-hmm. you know and to see the company thriving financially and artistically mm-hmm. has just that's been very proud yeah yeah um so the sky's the limit you have no budget <laughs> what would your dream project be for Colorado Valley um my dream project would be to bring McMillan back to life and have him come into creative fully for us. Yeah, bring him back. The sky's you know, the limit. Just, you know, uh-huh. something along those standards. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, or, you know, to have uh, three, and I'm not going to name any names, but we all know who, you know, the top choreographers are mm-hmm. in the world. And to have three of them all come in and collaborate and do a ballet and have that program. Oh. Would be a great idea. Yeah. So we'll come. (laughs) Yeah. We'll be there. So okay. (laughs) Thanks so much for talking to us. All right. Thank you both. Okay. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to support the Conversations on Dance podcast, there are a few ways that you can help. Click over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. Download episodes when you listen to allow our analytics to better understand our listenership. Join our Facebook group, Conversations on Dance, Friends of the Pod, or you can offer a donation. Conversations on Dance has always been and will always be free to our listeners. You can help us continue to create and produce this unique behind-the-curtain look at the dance world by visiting conversationsondancepod.com support. Thank you for tuning in. See you next week. 